Thank you. Man, I didn't know we're throwing spears this early in the morning, Tim, you know what I'm saying? But no, I was gracious to let Tim marry my sister. And you usually, when someone tries to marry your sister, you're like, I got to act tough, you know? So I'm like that fiery little guy, obviously, compared to Big Tim. And so I see Tim, but really in uh, behind closed doors, when Tiffany told me she was bringing home Tim and she caught a fish, no pun intended, I was like, yes, you know, Tim's a great guy. He's an amazing individual. Central, you are an amazing church. Uh, God has some big plans in store for you here. Uh, Tim and Tiffany and their leadership, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Really do appreciate it. Grateful to be with you this morning. So, hey, let's dive in. Proverbs 11.30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Turn to the person on your right and say, get wisdom. Say it like you mean it. Get wisdom. Everybody's always like, oh man, that's all. To the person on your left and say, win souls. Now, if you're watching us online, I want to encourage you, say this with me as you're looking into the camera, say, I'm wise. Now, you just talk to yourself if you're online. And so we're all like laughing at you, like, hey, there. But hey, no, seriously, scripture is very clear about winning souls and catching fish. In fact, Jesus gives, you, gives us a great command in Matthew 28. He says, go and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, go and possibly make. He says, go and make. But then he also is very clear that we must be wise when we go fish. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says this, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And even in Ephesians 4, 29, we see this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, and it may be give grace to those who hear. We are very challenged in scripture to not only go and fish, but also do it with wisdom. We have Easter right around the corner, and there are a lot of CEOs out there, Christmas and Easter only individuals. It's our responsibility to tee that up and invite them to an incredible life-changing experience here at Central Christian Church. But one of the greatest challenges that we have as a church, meaning you and me, is we go and fish, but we cast our rods and our reels, and we don't always do it wisely. Maybe we communicate in a way that's more condemning and don't do that verse, hey, I love you. Maybe it's we just think we're fishing, but we're really just sitting there hoping a fish bites the hook. Our challenge we face as a church is that we need to not only just fish, but we need to fish with wisdom. And in Matthew 24, 18, our series text, it says this, uh, should be on the screen behind me, it says, Jesus is right here, he's calling his first disciples. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left, and they followed him. 
See, Jesus is saying, I will make you fishers of men, which eventually, which eventually goes through our whole text, our whole gospel, the gospel message that's a directive that we're supposed to fish for men and catch individuals. But we're supposed to do it wisely. God desires for us to fish with wisdom. Let's pray before we go any further today. Lord, right now, we just pray and we continue to honor you. And all we do, all we say, may we be real in this moment. May we help share the message that you have in store for all those in our community. May we leave here better than the way we came in. In your great and holy name, everyone says, Amen. Do I have any anglers in the house? Anybody that likes to fish? Come on, raise your hand. Maybe you're someone that's been fishing before. Well, growing up, um, my grandfather would always take me fishing in Fort Myers, Florida. I, I was originally from Missouri. And so whenever I'd go to Fort Myers, Florida, my granddad and I would create these moments where we would fish under these bridges in Fort Myers. And we would catch all sorts of fish. It was a great moment, a great time, something that I'll always remember and hope one day to help my sons experience some moments. My grandfather's no longer with us, and uh, he was just monumental in my life. Well, this past December, I had the privilege of going with some family, including Tim and Tiffany and uh, my folks, to Florida to uh, enjoy the holidays. And I really wanted to recreate some of these great moments I had with my grandfather. If your grandparents in here, the legacy you live with your grandchildren will impact them in a way like you'll never know. My grandfather, uh, and, and kind of in this moment of recreating our, our times together, I decided I'm going to go fish. I'm going to go fish these bridges like I used to when I was growing up. So I did what every wise fisherman would do. I showed up to Walmart. I said, I need help fishing. What do you have? Of course, the guy was showing me the $200, $300 uh, rods and reels. And I was like, no, man, give me the $25 one and let's go. So I go get the $25 reel. I get some bait from Walmart. I buy my fishing license. And then I go out fishing under the bridges of Fort Myers, Florida. And as I'm fishing, I'm sitting out there. We're there for about nine days, beautiful vacation. And I'm spending hours at a time trying to catch fish. Guess how many fish I caught while I was in Fort Myers, Florida this past year? Zero. I didn't know what I was doing. It got to my point. My lovely wife right over here was like, Blake, seriously, what are you doing? I'm waking up at 5 a.m. to try to go find the best spot. I had no idea what I was doing. So my mom, she's on this trip. She's an incredible lady. She does what every great mother would do, and she calls a friend. She calls that friend, and then uh, that friend had a, a son who was a professional fisherman and, and, and spear fisherman, all these awards, crazy stories, huge fish. And it was just monumental experience that he gave us. He took us 10 to 15 miles off the shore or, or from shore. And as soon as we dropped our, 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 our lines in the water, fish were biting. It got to the point where some of the individuals who were on our trip were like, man, I'm, I'm just tired of fishing. And they would just pack up and sit there and drink a Coke. To me, it was a great moment but the guy knew what he was doing where when i tried to do it it often looked like this meme up here on the screen 
He went fishing and was, stu- and, and was skunked. So he posted a picture of the sunset. And no joke, check this picture out. That's the sunset. <laughs> but then when I'm with the guy, this is what was happening. This is the action. The line has a fish on it. But here's the funny story. Out of all the fish that I caught that day, that picture, the, the fish got away. <laughs> but that was the moment when fish were biting the line because the guide was showing us what to do. When we fish for people, sometimes we try to do it ourselves or we go places and we do things that aren't effective. We invest the time, we invest the resources, we invest the work, yet we still come up empty. Why? Because we're missing the wisdom part of it. Jesus says, go and catch Even in Jeremiah 16, 16, we see a reference where it's like, you're going to be a hunter and you hunt. The wise win souls. The guide that we'll be looking at is this man by the name of Simon, known also as Peter. If you'll join me in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So we find Jesus' story, and as you're joining me there, I'll give you a little background insight of to where we're at in our text. Now this is a direct account of what happened in Matthew chapter 4. Now, your series text is Matthew chapter 4, and it's an incredible text, but honestly, when I read Matthew chapter 4, I scratched my head, and I was like, there has to be more to the story before these guys just left and immediately followed a stranger. And that's what I love about scripture, is sometimes items plug in when you continue to read along in the Bible, and the New Testament. Items plug in, and you get different perspectives. So here we're finding this Matthew account now recorded by this man who is named Dr. Luke. He gives you the why to the diagnosis. And you can see why Peter and these brothers would then follow Jesus after what they experienced. So the background we found before our text that we're going to be looking at, in chapter 4 a lot was going on. Three main reasons why Jesus is now attracting this crowd or why Jesus was enticing Peter to follow him is because of the experience that he was having in Luke chapter 4. The first one is this. John the Baptist, he endorsed Jesus. John the Baptist kind of paved the way. He was uh, doing some legwork before the Messiah came. And a lot of us are familiar with the story where the clouds part, the dove descends, and a booming voice happens and Jesus is baptized. And then we also see that Jesus is a wise individual. He's teaching in synagogues, and people are listening. He's a wonderful communicator. He even says, it's even recorded this in Scripture. He says, he was glorified by all. And then number three reason we find Jesus' ministry really going in in a trajectory that is up and to the right is this. He's healing people. He's casting an unclean spirit out. And the news starts to travel about the power of who Jesus is in this region of Galilee. And I can imagine how Jesus met Peter. Peter is probably like, man, I'm going to see this man, Jesus. I'm going to go listen to him a little bit. And then I'm going to maybe see if he can do something for me. So as the crowd was probably around, I can see Peter in my mind. The way my mind works is Peter steps forward and says, hey, Jesus, I got my mother-in-law back at home. Could you come heal her? Now, some of you are probably thinking, like, that might be a good thing or a bad thing. Up to you. You decide. You might be on the fence still. Talk to me after. We have prayer. (laughs) 
So then Jesus is like, that's you, Peter. All right, I know your destiny. I know what I have in store for you. And Peter then has Jesus come to his house. Peter experiences the healing power of Jesus by seeing his mother-in-law instantly He gets up and starts serving the individuals there, Jesus and everybody gathered. And then 6 p.m. hits and more people are hearing the news of who Jesus is. And so the crowds, the Galilee region is sending people there to Peter's house. And through that time, Jesus is healing everybody that is coming in and out of that house. Spirits are being cast out. Miracles are happening. And it's an incredible, incredible experience that Peter sees firsthand. So then we see Peter taking that step into the boat. Luke chapter 5 verse 1, our main text today. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Jacinara, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little further from land, and he sat down, and he taught people from the boat. See, today, not only are we supposed to go fish, but we're supposed to fish with wisdom. So fishing with wisdom means for, no, for us today is, number one, immerse yourself in the moment. See, these fishermen, they were done for the day. They were tired. They were exhausted. They were ready to relax. They were ready to be an audience participation member. But Jesus decides to get in Simon's boat. And so he steps into the boat. And Peter's like, oh, man, here we go. I just wanted to relax. I was tired. I was washing my net. I was done for the day. But Peter gets into the boat. He understood the moment that Jesus was about to create from the experience that he just endured. Our guide is showing us, don't miss the moments. Be present. Peter was at the feet of Jesus. See, God is building his kingdom through every interaction we have. It says, the steps in Proverbs 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Immerse yourself in the moments with people. Be purposeful in your relationships. Look around in your day-to-day activities in your life. See what's going on. Maslow's hierarchy of need gives us three categories of needs that we can meet. Maybe it's the physiological needs. Someone is hungry. Maybe it's you just providing a simple meal for them. Maybe it's a family that just had a child and their whole life is kind of spinning. Maybe it's you bringing food to them. Or maybe it's one of those needs that are relational needs. You have a coworker who's been going through some hard things. You bring them a coffee one day and say, how are you doing? And you engage with them. Or maybe it's significance. No matter what we do, no matter what we chase, no matter where we go, we want significance in our life, but we understand in this room that our significance comes from this guy by the name of Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. Fulfillment can only be found in God. See a need, meet a need. Immerse yourself in the moments. Using wisdom also means fishing and understanding. We need to, number two, instantly move. 
Verse 4, it says this, And when he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And Simon, and Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. See, this is huge. This is where we begin to see Peter's life shifting, his, his moment of understanding is, okay, Jesus gave me a moment. Now Jesus is giving me something to do. I need to move. I need to go. Peter responds, but at your word, I will let down your nets. Peter did not know that his simple yes, his simple move He did not know he would go from a lowly fisherman to now being recorded in the history books and always talked about. He did not know that if he would, he would, he did not know that he would walk on water. He did not know he would see thousands fed. He did not know that Jesus would do what he did, and yet he still said yes. Peter did not know what was at stake with his simple yes. Imagine if you instantly moved and just said yes. Yes, Jesus, I'll take that step. Yes, I'll take that baby step. What if we changed our perspective and said yes to that tug in our lives? Yes, I won't just be involved in a group at church. I'll lead a group at church. Yes, I won't just drop my kids off in the nursery. I'll serve in the nursery. Yes, I'll invite my coworkers that I, I know really well. Just say yes. We don't know what is at stake with our choice to say yes. You might be sitting in here and you're kind of stagnant with your relationship with Christ and, and you're wondering and you're like, you know, I, I do all these things, I'm actively involved. I believe there's always an opportunity to take a baby step and say yes. How are you saying yes to Christ today? See, my story began when I was in middle school, going through the adolescent phase, and one of my friends, he invites me, took took a moment, and he invites me to church to join a middle school service. You know how he got me there? He said, hey man, you should come to church. We have cute girls. (laughs) I said, you know it, let's go. (laughs) Woo! I show up to church. I took that baby step. See, I, came from a, I come from a great home, great Christian parents. I, I, I went to church, but I didn't move in church. I knew the word, but I didn't live the word. But when I showed up that seventh grade day, I remember clear as day, God hit me with a Mack truck. That speaker that was talking was looking at me right in the eyes. He was speaking and it was hitting my heart, hitting, my, hitting home. And I was like, wow, I want what he has. I want to come alive in Christ. I remember at the end of his message, he invites us up for an altar response time, and he says, hey, you know, just give it to God, say yes, take a baby step. And that was the moment I instantly moved. And when that happened, the trajectory of my life went wayward. It went something crazy I never expected. I got called into ministry. I'm serving, I'm devoting, I'm putting resources, my time, my energy, and saying, you know what? That is the experience Never did I know that my saying yes would change my life when I was in seventh grade. I love students. I have a heart for student ministry. And so I don't care how old you are, 
your yes at whatever stage you're in can change your life. No matter how long we've been in church, maybe this is our first day, this is your baby step. Welcome. We love you. You never know if you say yes, what is at stake? Number three, impart your manner. Impart your manner. Verse six says this. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, Peter teaches us two huge elements Two core truths in verse 8. The first one is this humility. Peter says, depart from me, O Lord. See, the Jewish custom understood where, you know what, where holiness is, sin cannot be and cannot exist. Brokenness has no right to be in the same realm as a Messiah or as a Lord that Peter is saying right here. But Jesus, as we know, has come for the broken, for it is the sick that need the doctor, not the healthy. But Peter is teaching us the humility portion of it right here. Depart from me, God. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Peter is showing us that Jesus is now the Lord. His ways and teachings are far superior than anything he's ever witnessed or experienced. And then number two, a core truth that Peter teaches us is this. Jesus is now Lord. He goes from being master in verse 5 to now his Lord. See, master, we can infer that, yeah, Peter recognized Jesus had authority, but now he has divine authority. He is now the Lord of Peter's life. Peter is showing that he is now following and wants to be a fisher of men. He understands that he's supposed to make things better and brighter. This church right here, I believe, in San Jose, Central Christian Church, that you have some amazing days ahead. God's going to do some incredible things here. You have a great pastor. You have a great leadership team. God's going to do some amazing works. I want to encourage you. Share your church. Pray for others. Show them you care. Invite them to participate. Don't keep the best kept secret here silent. We exist for people outside these walls. Peter understood that it's first about him, then it's about them, and then it's about me. Number four, intentionally share your message. Intentionally share your message. Verse nine, we we see here, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching men, not hoping for men, not reeling potentially in for men. You will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Can you envision this individual, these boats rolling into the shore, these fishermen going from one day, they didn't have much, they were washing their nets prior to now looking, dude, our boats are sinking. Imagine that. 
They would be sharing the story. Look, we're with this Jesus guy, Jesus, now our Lord. Man, he was doing some incredible things. Our boats were, are, are full of fish. Now we have a big loot. We have a big take. We're going to sell it. We're going to be rich. But instead, their story goes on and they leave everything and they follow Jesus. Intentionally share your message. For a lot of you in here, you have a Jesus woven through message that can impact a life. These past two years, um, you'll see uh, the first photo of my family from about a year ago. It's my lovely wife and our two little boys, Bodie and Briar. Um, these last two years have been the hardest years of our lives. Um, just, I, I grew up with stability. Uh, great parents. Uh, they li- I was raised in a community for 24 years. And incredible moments. Never would I know I would go on the adventure I'm, I, I've been on. Um, about over, that, the picture was taken over a year ago. In these past two years, uh, our, ho- our house was robbed. Uh, it was looted, flipped upside down. All my wife's, fam- all my wife's jewelry, her family heirlooms, all gone. Uh, our car was stolen. Uh, it's probably joyriding in Mexico right now is what the authorities say. Uh, my little guy right there, you see Briar, uh, he was hospitalized with RSV pneumonia, so we're in the hospital for some time. Uh, we lost our job, uh, our livelihoods. We were both working at a church, uh, ended up having some really hard financial problems. Uh, pretty crazy, uh, out of our control. And at the same time, we were experiencing such drastic wins for the kingdom that it made it even harder. Uh, that's on a Sunday, and the previous Friday we had over 150 students involved in our, in our student ministry at a church, about 300. Uh, it was just God was moving in the youth. God was moving with our kids' ministry that we oversaw. But again, our church went bankrupt and uh, really hard, really hard moment. It was out of our control. Other parties were at play, and we had to smile and, and, and grin through that. So that means we lost our medical insurance. That means we lost uh, our child care. That means we lost our church. We had many tough relationships um, that we went through and we endured. I was out of job for three months, and there was this moment where uh, I had the opportunity to go mow lawns on a fairway or mow fairways for a golf course. I struggled with that, saying, God, you know, I I went to school to preach your word. I went to school. I invested my time, my resources to do what you called me to do. And here I am waking up at 3.30 in the morning, mowing fairways. I remember having moments where I would pick up the phone. I would call Tim and be like, man, I'm going crazy. I would be crying to God while I'm sitting on a tractor at 4.30 in the morning, can hardly see anything, saying, God, why am I here? Is this the purpose of my life now? And I struggled with it. Maybe some of you here are having those kind of questions, are challenged right now, or going through a moment, or have been through a moment. I'm encouraging you, lock in, be strong, you can survive it. Little did I know God had a a different destiny for me with my story. That robbery I mentioned earlier, the insurance claims came back. It helped us keep our house when I was unemployed. Going from making a, a little bit of money to working minimum wage doesn't really pick the bills, pay the bills. When you have two little kids, you get a little nervous. 
medical insurance. Some of the medical problems we've had were handled. Not one piece of, uh, of our medical experience we had to pay for. Uh, God handled some of those situations. There was a time where I didn't know, obviously, with my work feeling called, I didn't know what God wanted me to do, but then he picked me up, he relocated me and my family to L.A., and now we're living a a vibrant life, and we're enjoying it, we are seasoning things, and it is just something I've never imagined when I was interviewing for the three months with different churches, it's a slow process, and I'm talking to everybody. Uh, I'm talking to Church of St. Louis and Washington, Florida, all these different churches. I said, they asked, do you have any problem relocating? I said, nope, the only place I don't want to live is Southern California. <laughs> you know where I currently live? Southern California. When you share your Jesus interwoven message, you don't know who can relate with that. You don't know what life you might impact. You don't know what trajectory you might change. Can you imagine if Peter was in this room? And maybe you're in, can you imagine if Peter's in this room and You ask Peter, well, Peter, if I only had what you experienced, then I would be okay. If Jesus gave me this miracle moment where all these fish come into my boat and I have this supernatural experience, then I could be 100% in the team. I would be okay with that. Can you imagine if Peter is hearing us ask those questions, maybe like some of us have asked that question to ourselves before, if only I had this big miracle, then I could be 100% there. If Peter was standing right here and we asked him that question, he would say, he would go, seriously, you're asking me this? You know what Jesus did for me? Jesus gave me fish. He gave you his life. Jesus gave me fish. He gave you his life. Jesus did a fish trick for Peter. He did a supernatural, hard, crucified act for us. That's why we celebrate Easter. Peter is saying, have you ever seen or experienced a crucifixion firsthand? Have you seen a man tortured, beaten, spat upon, cursed at, ridiculed, mocked firsthand? Have you seen a thorn-like crown press upon a head where blood is pouring down the face? Have you seen that? Have you, do you know how hard that is? Do you know what Jesus did for you? But yeah, you want fish. For a lot of us in this room, Jesus has done so many incredible things, but sometimes we still are hoping that he does maybe something a little more, or if we just had one one more nugget, one more experience, then we can dive in and jump both feet in on the team. I'm telling you right now, the story that Peter experience is not as great as the story of what Christ did for us.
Jesus died for us. That's why we celebrate Easter. Intentionally share your message so people can understand just what Christ can, will, and do in your life. As we close and wrap up, we're getting ready to enter into a time of communion, which I love that at this church, how you always are reflecting back on what Jesus did. I want to encourage you, maybe this is your first time here, and um, there's a connect card in your chair backs in front of you. God tells us, hey, let someone know when you want to take a baby step, when you want to begin a relationship for heaven is applauding and, and celebrating those steps in your life. But I also want to encourage you that if you've been here for a while, take a baby step and invite someone outside of these walls. We're in this series, Go Fish. And as Pastor Tim talked about last week, followers fish. And this week, we want to use wisdom when we go and connect with people. I want to encourage you, God has some great things and days ahead for this church. Let's go fish. Let's pray this morning. God, right now, we just give you this time as we're in this series, Go Fish. It's about those outside these walls who haven't even had the opportunity to hear your message and what you have done by giving us your son, Jesus, to go to the cross for us. Let us understand that you have a purpose and a, de- and a destiny that can do something we can't even imagine, but for your kingdom and for your greater good. We know we can trust, we know we can honor, we know we can love you. And for those in this place that are contemplating, do I take this step? God, my encouragement to them right now is that you give them that peace so that they can celebrate you and that we can also applaud and love them as well. So be with us as we're in this series. Be with us as Easter's right around the corner. May we continue to honor you in everything we do. Everybody in this room says, amen.